We're looking today at these verses from 2 Timothy. Now, before we start talking a little bit about fear and power, I want to talk a little bit about how we came to these words. Now, the Apostle Paul, as most of you remember from the New Testament, was probably the most prolific church planter ever. Thirteen different churches he started. Started 13 churches, and he wrote letters to them after he left, encouraging them and telling them things. And one of those churches was the church at Ephesus. Now, at Ephesus, it was a little bit different because he didn't get to stay very long. He got this church started, but he didn't even have it organized yet, and he had to leave and go to Macedonia. And so when he left, he left a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy had just become a pastor and had just been ordained by Paul himself. Paul had trained him. Paul ordained him. He left him there, and he said, your job is to make a church out of Ephesus. Your job is to appoint elders and have the services and do the things that you need to do. And most importantly, he was worried that they would be overrun by false teachers. False teachers in those days were people who said, oh, look, here's a church. They don't have a pastor. I'm going to come in, and I'll be the pastor, okay? And I'll be the pastor. And so they would come in, and they would have a different teaching because they would say what they are going to want is they want something different than what Paul was talking about. So they would come in as a false teacher, and they would preach their own gospel, and they would say their own things. And so Paul said to Timothy, this is what you got to watch for. Set up that church in Ephesus, watch out for the false teachers, and the first letter that Paul writes to Timothy is all about how to spot the false teachers, how to establish true elders, how to get the church off on the right foot. But then he writes a second letter to Timothy, and the second letter to Timothy comes at a later time. We think Paul was probably in jail for the second time and perhaps the last time. Paul seems to know, when you read through all of 2 Timothy, that second letter, Paul seems to know that he's not going to get out of prison, and he's probably going to die there. And so he has these final remarks to, his, to young Timothy, the man that he ordained, the man that he had put into the ministry, and he was telling him, here's how you remain steadfast. Here's how you preach the gospel from now till the time that God calls you home. Here's what I want you to do. And so he addresses this second letter to Timothy, not to give him real instructions, but to give him encouragement. And so the words that we just heard read in the epistle lesson are the words that we're going to look at today from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And if you want to look at those again, I think they have Bibles in front of you there. 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 14. But I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to skip some of the beginning part because I want to get to verse 6. And the first, he says, well, let's, let's look at what he starts out. He starts out saying, I miss you, Timothy. I wish I could see you again, all these things. And he said, uh, I recall your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, 
this to me is a tip-off that the Apostle Paul has gotten older and that he's reaching that more toward the end of his life. How can you tell that? You can tell that because he says, I'm reminded of your faith. And then he says, it was the faith first given to you by your grandmother, Lois, and then your mother, Eunice, and you have this. That's how you know it's an old pastor, right? Because he talks about the whole family, right? He says, this is how it was. I remember your grandmother, Lois. I remember your mother, Eunice. And now you have this faith, right? It's two weeks ago, after 40 years in the ministry, I had the opportunity to baptize a baby that was not just the granddaughter of somebody who I'd already baptized. It was the great-granddaughter of somebody that I already baptized. And I said, oh, baby, this, who'd have thought I'd ever get that old, that he could have those whole families? But this is where Paul was. He says, I remember your grandma, Lois. I remember your mother, Eunice. I remember your faith and that special time when I laid hands on you and I ordained you and brought you into the ministry. And so he starts out with those words. And then he says in verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power of love and of self-control. So, he did not give us a spirit of fear. What in the world is Paul talking about? And I think the video that we chose that started out there kind of gives you this understanding of what we're talking about. In the world that we live in, in the society that we're in, almost all of our decisions are made out of fear. Now, you may not want to admit that, but I think if you think it through, you'll realize that that's true. Most times, the decisions that we have to make are made out of fear. Fear of, you know, first of all, death. Fear of pain. We have all kinds of fears, don't we? And the longer we live in this world, it seems to me what I've seen is that we get more and more fears, don't we? You know, some of us have gotten to the point where, you know, it's not that we're afraid of heights or anything like that. Now we're to the point where I'm afraid to walk up the steps because what if I trip, right? What, where does those fears come from? The fears come from the very nature that we have, that nature that makes us afraid of everything that's around us. That nature that says, it's all up to me, and if I mess up, it could all go away. Right? That's where fear comes from. Fear. And so the Apostle Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, don't make your decisions based on a spirit of fear. Don't make your decisions based on a spirit of fear. Now, some of you may be able to relate to the story I'm going to tell in just a minute. I'm getting to the point where, as I approach 
uh, 65, I probably get five phone calls a day of people that want to sell me what? Healthcare, yeah. Medicare supplements, you know. I never knew so much about plan A, plan B, C, D, E, F, all the ones that there are, right? And you have to make those choices. And when these people talk to you on the phone, they want to help you make the choices, right? And how do they do that? They scare the bejeebers out of you, don't they? What if this happens to you? What if that happens to you? Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared for that? Do you have this? Do you have that long-term care insurance? You're going to need that because you're going to live to be old and you're not going to be able to take care of yourself. And so you need the long-term. And that fear that somehow I won't have enough left to be able to retire or that somehow I won't have enough to take care of my wife because something will happen to her, all of that, they play on your fears, don't they? And we make our choices quite often out of fear. Out of fear, we make those choices. And so, the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy was correct to say, avoid the spirit of fear. Instead, he said, remember the spirit of power that God gave you when you were ordained. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive a new spirit, a spirit of power, he says, and love and self-control. Make your decisions based on that spirit, not on the spirit of fear. Don't make your decisions because you're afraid of the outcome. Make your decisions because you're assured of the outcome. I had the opportunity last, this last week with my uh, grandson, who's 10. It's really fun to have a little one coming up when I spent a lot of time watching movies in the past, so picking out movies for him to watch that are old and classics, as he says, right? So the one classics that we watched this week was Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2, okay? Which he said, wow, look at that. That's way back in the 80s, okay? But one of the things that you saw there uh, was in Back to the Future 2, they have this thing where they went to the future and it was in 2015 and they had hover cars, and they had all these things that were going to happen in 2015, but there was an almanac of sports information, and it said it covered the years 1950 to 2000, all of the sports events, and it had all of the scores. And so Biff, the bad guy in Back to the Future, grabs up this almanac and goes back to the 1950s and gives that almanac to himself Okay, and then he's able to bet on all these sports events because he knows the outcome. Because it's going back to the future, he knows the outcome before he ever bets, before the game ever happens. He's able to then get very rich and do all the things that are there. But he's able to do that because he makes his decisions based on the fact that he already knows the outcome. 
for you and me, when we operate by the Spirit of God, that Spirit of power and love and self-control, we are making our decisions based on the fact that we already know the outcome. We already know that no matter what decision I make, no matter what thing I do, whether I have plan A, B, C, D, E, F of Medicare doesn't matter because God is going to be there with me the way he has been there throughout my whole life. And I know that for certain. And so I make my decision based on that, knowing that God will never leave me or forsake me, that he will always be there with me. And so I can make my decisions with confidence, not decisions based on a spirit of fear, but decisions based on a spirit of power. You see, God gives us the power to face the troubles of this world knowing that he goes with us, knowing that he is right there with us. We have a school up at Lake Mary, and uh, last week, there was a little boy who's in second grade, and uh, he's been with us. He was, his mother had him in preschool, and then he was kindergarten, first grade, second grade at our, at our school. And he's got, been diagnosed with a, um, a certain learning problem. And so the plan that they came up with this last week was to send him to public school where he could get the additional things that he needed for the rest of this year, of his second grade year, but then bring him back for third grade and so he could keep coming in the rest of the things, but that he would get this help for a part of his second grade year. And so his mother was sitting down with him, and I watched her sit down and she said, uh, Flynn, we're going to send you to the public school for just the rest of this year, and then you'll come back to your school here next year. Is that all right with you? And he said, yeah, that's okay, Mom. He said, here's what I'll have to do. This is the little second grader, right? He said, I'll get there, and he said, I'll tell one, no, I'll tell two kids in my class about Jesus, and then they'll tell the other kids in my class about Jesus, and then the whole class will know about Jesus, and it'll be just like being here. As the pastor, that was like, oh, baby, that's great, Right? There's a kid that understands that the choices he makes are guided by a spirit of power. There was no fear in his head. He said, I'm going to go there because Jesus is going with me, so there's no fear. I can do that. Paul says to Timothy, and Paul says to us, make your decision based on a spirit of power. And a spirit of love. The gospel reading today talked about forgiveness, repentance. The love of God that comes through us to other people. When that spirit of God comes into your life, it brings that power and assurance of God's presence. It also brings the love of God into your life. You know that you are loved no matter what. To me, that's been the greatest thing about being married for all the years that I have. Because being married means that I have somebody at home that no matter what happened today and no matter how the day goes, when I get back home, I've got somebody who loves me no matter what. She doesn't care whether I had a good sermon or whether the service went well or anything else. She loves me anyway. 
It makes driving home so much better, doesn't it? Because you know you have someone who loves you. So when God comes in your life, when the Spirit of God dwells on you, when he comes and becomes a part of your life, you now go through all of your life, make all of your decisions, knowing that there is someone who loves you no matter what. God loves you even if you make the wrong choice. God loves you even if you go in the wrong direction and do the wrong thing. He still loves you. That assurance comes when the Spirit of God dwells in us. And when we can make decisions based on the fact that God loves us no matter what, it changes how we decide to do things. It changes what we decide to do with our life. Now, when God comes into your life with that spirit and when he changes how you decide things, he also gives us, Paul says, a spirit of self-control. Now, as you're listening, I know some of you are saying, well, pastor, I think he skipped me on that one, right? You know, I may have the love of God and I can understand the power of God, but I obviously have no self-control, right? It was obvious because... Last night when I was about to fall asleep, I got up and went in the kitchen and had the biggest bowl of ice cream you've ever seen, right? Now, I certainly didn't need to do that, but I have no self-control. But the Apostle Paul says that's not really true. In Christ, by the Spirit of God, we have self-control. We are able to say no to what we should say no to and say yes to what we should say yes to. We have the control, we have the power of God living in us who allows us to be the people of God that he's called us to be. And this is what Paul is reminding Timothy. He's saying you can make the right choices, you can do the right things because God gives you the self-control that you need to make those choices. So that as we live our lives as Christians in this world, we can choose not to sin. We can choose not to steal. We can choose not to commit adultery. We can choose not to lie about somebody else. We can choose not to covet the things that our neighbor has. We can choose that because God gives us the self-control to be able to make those choices. And so we come back to Paul's line to Timothy where he says, don't be controlled by a spirit of fear, but be controlled by the Spirit of God. And in that spirit, he says, you have the power, the love, the self-control. And he said, you got those things from God, and he gave them to you, and we all have them, not because we did so well, not because we deserved it, not because we had lived up to everything God wanted in our life, but because God had a plan for you and for me from before time began. And that plan played out in the life and death of Jesus Christ. So Paul says to Timothy, he says, your salvation is not based on the choices you make, right? But your salvation is based on the fact that God appeared in our Savior Jesus Christ who, was <clears throat> who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed to herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know in whom I believed. I am convinced he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. 
The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed that I'm standing up for Jesus because I know that Jesus is going to take care of me all the way to the end. I know that Jesus is going to love me and watch out for me, and he's going to care for me and take care of me all the way to the end of this life. And then beyond. You see, the spirit of God that Jesus came into the world with is a spirit of life. And without that life, we're dead. But with that life, the apostle Paul and Jesus himself said, with that life, we will never die. Perhaps the biggest fear for all people in this world is that fear of death. We all have a fear of death. We try to be brave and face it in the right way, but that fear of death really guides a lot of our decisions, doesn't it? It guides a lot of our decisions. And what the Apostle Paul says is he said, I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed, because I know that death is not on the table anymore. No matter what decisions I make, no matter what things happen in my life, I will not die. And you and I can say the same thing. Because when the Spirit of God came upon you, when that power of Jesus Christ came into your life, you became alive. The Spirit lives in you. And that Spirit of God, the Spirit that brings power and love and self-control into your life, that spirit will never die. And so at some point in this world, your body will die, but that spirit will continue to live. And with your own eyes, you will see the Savior of the world in eternity. And the Apostle Paul is trusting in that. And he's trusting in that, and that trust changes the decisions that he makes. And it does for us as well. We live in a society, as I said before, ruled by fear. We also live in a society, society where it's not always popular to proclaim a belief in Jesus Christ. It's not always popular to let people know that I am a Christian, that I am a Christ follower. But we can make those decisions. We can let people know because we're ruled not by a spirit of fear, but by the spirit of life, power, love, self-control. That's the spirit that leads you to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.